Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. You can get a copy of On the Town, uh, highlights of things that are going on here on the Paradise Coast naplesillustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Gary Ingold. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics, doing a great job here on the Paradise Coast and on college campuses. And we'll visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is March the 20th, and on this day in 1854, in Ripon, Wisconsin, former members of the Whig Party met to establish a new party to oppose the spread of slavery in western states. The Whig Party, which was formed in 1834 to oppose the tyranny of President Andrew Jackson, had shown itself incapable of coping with the national crisis over slavery with the successful introduction of the Kansas-Nebraska Bill of 1854 and the act that dissolved the terms of the Missouri Compromise and allowed slave or free status to be decided in territories by popular sovereignty, the Whigs disintegrated. By February 1854, anti-slavery Whigs had begun meeting in the upper Midwestern states to discuss the formation of a new party. One such meeting in Wisconsin on March the 20th, 1854, is generally remembered as the founding meeting of the Republican Party. The Republicans rapidly gained supporters in the North, and in 1856, their presidential candidate, John C. Fremont, won 11 of the 16 northern states. By 1860, the majority of the southern slave states were publicly threatening secession if the Republicans won the presidency. In November 1860, Republican Abraham Lincoln was elected president over a divided Democrat party, and six weeks later, South Carolina formally seceded from the Union. Within six more weeks, five other southern states had followed South Carolina's lead, and in April 1861, the Civil War began with Confederate uh, sure batteries under the General uh, General P.G.T. Beauregard opened fire on Fort Sumter in South Carolina's Charleston Harbor. The Civil War firmly identified the Republican Party as the party of the victorious North, and after the war, the Republican-dominated Congress forced a radical reconstruction policy on the South, which saw the passage of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution and the granting of equal rights to all Southern citizens. By 1876, the Republican Party had lost control of the South, but it continued to dominate the presidency until election of Franklin D. Roosevelt, in 1933. That changed everything, didn't it? Republican Party founded on this day. <clears throat> well, taking a look at the Naples Daily News, here's some of the headlines. COVID-19 cases now top 400 in Florida with nine deaths. Collier will shut its beaches amid COVID-19 concerns. The U.S. Open Pickleball Champions and Championships in Naples have been canceled. Uh, there are beach access limits. Uh, how will restaurant bars COVID-19 orders be enforced? A question in some uh, bars are suddenly now deciding their restaurants. Kind of interesting. COVID-19 concerns prop closures, changes across Collier County, and we could go on. So right now the news is just dominated by what's happening with COVID-19 or the China flu, China uh, virus, I should say. U.S. Uh, equity futures may add to recent gains on hopes the government and central bank action can shield the world economy from a looming recession caused by the coronavirus. The major future index has indicated gains of 4% or about 800 Dow points, a little less than that right now as I'm speaking. With uh, Wall Street begins trading on Friday, investors will incur were encouraged after seeing more steps by the Federal Reserve and other central banks to support credit markets and uh, put uh, liquidity in the economy. On Wall Street, the benchmark uh, S&P 500 index rose 0.5% in relatively modest change yesterday compared to the volatile swings we've had over the past week. The Dow was up about 188 yesterday, had a nice finish. was up much more than that, uh, but uh, began to sell off at the end of the day. Nice to have a positive day on the market. 
U.S. Federal Reserve unveiled measures to support money market funds and the borrowing of dollars as investors in markets worldwide hurried to build up dollars and cash as insurance against falling asset prices. In the United States, the number of people who filed for unemployment benefits jumped by 70,000 last week, and we're going to see, of course, I think it'll be hundreds of thousands uh, this coming week. This experimental antiviral treatment for people very sick with the coronavirus is showing some very promising results. This drug is uh, Redemsevir. I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but nevertheless has shown very preliminary signs of working within 24 hours after the first dose. It basically stops the production of the virus. Dr. Gregory Poland, director of the Mayo Clinic's Vaccine Research Group in Rochester, Minnesota, said uh, President Donald Trump mentioned the treatment during his press briefing on Thursday while announcing health officials are removing barriers in an effort to roll out various treatments very quickly. The National Institutes of Health announced last month the University of Nebraska Medical Center has started a clinical trial to uh, test the safety and effectiveness of Redemsever in adults who have coronavirus. Uh, patients who have been hospitalized and show at least moderate symptoms of the virus will be eligible for the trial. For good news, it's just, I think it's been 100% effective with the people that have used it. It's not the first time that we've seen a drug uh, that's used for a secondary purpose. I take one right now for my back pain. Uh, it was created for uh, seizures, but it tends to work to, to prevent uh, pain, uh, nerve pain going down the leg. So that's, uh, you know, th- we see this a lot with uh Medicines that are created for one purpose and used for another, and uh, perhaps wouldn't this be great if this does, this uh, medicine <clears throat> that was created in 1934 would be effective today for the coronavirus? Italy's death toll from the coronavirus has surpassed China's now. It's a grim milestone. Yesterday, Italian officials said that the number of coronavirus-related deaths reached 3,405. Can you imagine that? And the total number of known infections topped 41,000 in Italy alone. The news came the day after the China reported no new infections for the first time since coronavirus' discovery in December. Now, we have a friend in Taiwan, who says these numbers don't believe the communist Chinese. They are lying through their teeth. That according, that's one opinion. But nevertheless, uh, she's Taiwanese, so she may uh, know uh, that this is the case. So preparedness. Uh, Italy didn't prepare like the other countries. The uh, country took weeks after its first known infection to set up a lockdown. Now the virus uh, pushed Italy's healthcare system to the brink, with doctors forced to decide whether they can or cannot treat. More than 20% of Italians are smokers, which could be a risk factor. And Italy has the second largest population of older folks in the world, which may have contributed to the high death toll there. But recent numbers show they aren't the only uh, demographic affected. Data from Italy reportedly shows that young people can experience severe symptoms too. According to the CDC, nearly 40% of patients who have been hospitalized in the fall uh, in U.S. fall between the ages of 20 and 54 and nearly half admitted were under the age of 65. So isn't that interesting? So we can learn from that and we should. Uh, one of the things I, I mentioned yesterday that we should think about just have self-quarantining. People that have uh, maladies could simply uh, decide to stay indoors and th- those that are, are young could continue to work what was pointed out to me was well you know they could actually fill up the hospitals and create a real health care crisis if young people are carrying the disease to other people and uh, people become hospitalized as a result so it's complicated i'll i'll say that uh Yesterday, Gavin Newsom ordered all residents, about 40 million people, to stay home to help combat the spread of the coronavirus. The move came after he said there was more than half of the state's population is projected to contract the disease over an eight-week period. This seems a little dramatic. You know, you've got a farmer living in Fresno, and why should he self-quarantine? Anyhow, uh, this is what the governor's decided to do. So there's a lot of, actually, the questions I'm raising is, uh, are we overreacting to uh, to what's going on? While the uh, coronavirus could infect anyone, new com- uh, numbers from the CDC and Italy are highlighting that no age group is invincible and that everyone needs to take the outbreak seriously to help slow its speed. So uh, Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr decided to profit from the entire uh, episode. He unloaded uh, upwards of $1.56 million in stock after receiving confidential briefings regarding the outbreak of the coronavirus. 
Burr, who is the uh, senior senator from North Carolina and plans to retire in 2022, dumped thousands of dollars worth of stock on February the 13th, less than a week before the stock market market sharply dropped because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, if one of us did that... Apparently, he avoided about $580,000 of losses in one stock alone. If one of us had done that, that would be calling uh, front-running or uh, selling on inside information and uh, would be uh, a criminal act. You may remember that Martha Stewart was sent to jail for lying about uh, insider trading. In any event, uh, the question I would raise is should he, he should probably resign. I mean, he... He uh, he took advantage of his position in order to profit, I would suggest, at our expense. Uh, Lawmakers need to take bold and swift action as soon as possible, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Thursday. Uh, He introduced legislation to provide more than $1,200 per person and $2,400 per couple in the United States amid the coronavirus outbreak and skyrocketing jobless claims. So there, the third round of uh, stimulus is on the way, and uh, we're going to find out what that's all about here in just a little while, probably in, in the next couple of days uh, in uh, the legislature. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can visit uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com to find out more. Also, Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. Visit naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with William Yatman. Uh, William Yatman is a, uh, a, I actually have, oh no, this is his right phone number. That's right, he's on the cell phone because uh, the Cato Institute has closed his door, so he's not at, at the job. Uh, we'll visit with Cato, uh, with uh, William Yateman, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its best. Well, not currently because of the COVID-19 uh, virus, but uh, nevertheless, uh, the education programs are fantastic. Just visit GolfShorePlayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Gary Ingold, the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research, a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure. Did, Tell us about. Did, the, am I coming through clearly? I'm. I'm sorry. Just I'm using a cell phone for the first time, and it was a little bit choppy on my end. I just want to make sure my voice is clear on your end. You, my, your voice is very clear, and I'll see if I can't pot up my microphone a little bit more so I'm more clear. Is that better? <laughs> indeed. indeed. <laughs> okay. So, William, tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, we're a public policy outfit in Washington, D.C., a think tank, that is, and we're dedicated to advancing a free society at all levels of government. Terrific organization, Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org is the website. Now, speaking of individual liberty and freedom, uh, right now we're seeing all kinds of almost martial law. Uh, the governor of California has decided that nobody should go outside. <laughs> it feels a little bit, I mean, I realize this is all for our good health, but do you think government is overstepping its bounds with regard to the power it has over individuals? Well, certainly that is a fear. I mean, I, I do wonder how, um, and uh, we're cooperating, my family is. I mean, we're on uh, uh, quarantine as is, you know, the entire country. Yeah. Um, but it's, I do worry. I mean, does it make sense to ban people from going outside? I mean, every morning, one of the things that I found um, most stress-relieving in this entire ordeal is going on a two-mile walk with my son. Right. Um, is that the sort of thing they're prohibiting? Uh, I'll note here as well, it's tough with a lot of these governors to divorce the their ambition um, to run for president, honestly, yeah. from what they're doing. And right. that is to say that they all want to, there's sometimes perhaps a sort of a, a slippery slope whereby they're all trying to one-up the other um, in order to stand out. And, um, you know, I, the slippery slope is, is that towards, uh, I fear, but something akin to, not necessarily martial law, but measures such as perhaps nonsensical measures, like banning people from going outside. I mean, what, how, if you're a single person outside, how on earth do you <laughs> communicate the disease to another person? Uh, or, I'm sorry, the virus. No, so, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a fear. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, uh, and you know, we should at some point, we have to discern where is the line between what the government can do to protect us and, and our right to make our own personal decisions about our own wealth and health and well-being. I would say not just that line, which, of course, is incredibly important. I mean, that's just important to our individual liberties, our individual sense of self, even. Right. Um, but at some point, and, and there's also got to be a line drawn between the, how much damage the cure does relative to how much damage the underlying virus could do. And, and I guess by that I mean... Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading some reports of, of shutting everything down for 18 months. Um, you know, life is pretty short yeah. um, in the scheme of things, and, and just sitting at home for a year and a half um, in order to, to ward off, uh, you know, a threat. And again, I'm not trying to be callous here, but we are, you know, we're participating in this thing like everybody else. But at some point, I hope somebody is asking, you know, at these levels of these policy-making levels. Um, well, he, well, hey, wait a second here, everyone. Is is the cure worse than the underlying disease? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this uh, malaria drug is showing some promise, and which is encouraging. I mean, it uh, it's not a vaccine, but what it does is it apparently uh, takes the uh, symptoms of the coronavirus, and uh, within 24 hours, actually, they go away. That's very positive. So there's there is some hope on the horizon. But again, I'm coming back to this whole issue about. Uh, shouldn't we as individuals be able to make some decisions? I realize some people make bad decisions, and the problem is when it comes to public health, if they're making bad decisions, they can create problems. And that's been true with, uh, well, with AIDS and everything else. I mean, that that, that can, that's always been the the uh, the problem. But to, if you know, you can't mandate that people don't have contact because of AIDS, so it, it's it's. it's 
you speak of an age-old um, sort of constitutional issue, even, at state and federal governments. And the, it's, its courts consider it inherent to sovereignty, and both states and the federal government have this, this attribute, sovereignty. Um, they say that it's, quote-unquote, the police power. And it, it is recognized as an aspect of, of sovereignty, this police power, that to a certain extent, government can run roughshod over our individual liberties. Um, that is permissible, you know, when the state is, is acting um, on behalf of the public health, exercising such, quote-unquote, police power. But it's, in, it's engendered a lot of really interesting constitutional law over the centuries, even, um, of this country's existence, uh, because this is not uh, this is not unprecedented. At least that question, that of you know prior pandemics. I'm trying to think of dengue fever and um, things like that at the turn of the um, 20th century. Yeah, we've encountered such conundrums before. That that is, you know, how far can government go in terms of bossing people around um, to prevent the spread of things. Um, here, but thankfully, it does appear that, relatively speaking, to things like dengue fever and scarlet fever and these terrible diseases of the past, um, at least from what I read, and I am no doctor, I'm no epidemiologist, but thankfully, you know, the mortality rates, is, as I understand it, there was uh, 1,700 people on that cruise ship off California, um, of which only seven, you know, uh, no, shoot, maybe seven. Thousand seven hundred. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have brought up a, a, a statistic without knowing it's stone cold. <laughs> Whatever it was that the professionals took from the mortality rate from that ship, um, encouraging signs regarding the mortality of this COVID nineteen. So that was a long winded. I shouldn't have dipped my toes in those water, but <laughs> I'm trying to take solace, you know, as, as we're all here in lockdown. Yeah, and of course now we're seeing the stimulus program sending money to. I worry about the national debt too. We're talking about a, a trillion-dollar stimulus program and sending uh, twelve hundred dollars or twenty-four hundred dollars to each to to a married couple uh, to uh, s stimulate the economy. I mean, <laughs> where's this money coming from? It is. I was talking to my beautiful wife this morning and saying that, geez, Louise, if we really do go in lockdown for eighteen months, the Fed can't print enough money. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there is no solution. And, you know, it's just sort of along the lines of the question you asked regarding the measures that Congress is currently contemplating. And, and that's a big fear here. Um, you know, not just uh, uh, whether or not there's any feasible response if we decide to shut everything down for a year and a half. But it was the same thing with the stimulus in 2009 in response to that economic crisis. Um, politicians, you know, their meat and potatoes is to fill these things up with um, long-desired pet projects. Right. And, you know, that's why we had $200 billion worth of green energy spending in that 2009 stimulus, whose purpose was anything but trying to save the environment, we're trying to save the economy. Um, so with these sort of mega measures that Congress puts together on the fly, um, there is a big danger of waste. And, I'm, you know, of course, I'm not necessarily saying the government shouldn't be doing something here. I mean, the, to a certain extent, they've ordered everyone to stay home, so um, that they ought to be a part of the solution, if you will. But right. at the same time, um, history and, and what we know about politicians' inclinations suggest that we should be wary here, that they're just going to stuff this full of goodies um, that they've long wanted to pass and just start oh. never letting an emergency go to waste. Yeah, I mean, Ron Emanuel from last year. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, the the mayor of Baltimore pleaded with uh, people to qu quit killing each other <laughs> because they needed the beds for for the coronavirus. <laughs> Talk about politicians living in a bubble. It's just unbelievable. Again, <laughs> yikes. Uh, William Yeatman, again, uh, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, <clears throat> coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Gary Ingold, the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us Gary Ingold. As I mentioned before the break, he is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Gary, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Always great to be with you. Thank you, Gary. Well, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the Community Pregnancy Clinics, maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. Uh, Community Pregnancy Clinics is is a life-affirming organization. We're a uh, uh, 501c3, and we've been around now for 46 years, believe it or not, ever since uh, one year after the Roe v. Wade decision that uh, legalized abortion. And uh, uh, what we do is basically we help women who are facing unwanted or unplanned pregnancies all of our services are free, um, and we're a privately funded organization. And, and uh, uh, mainly, our, our motto is to make sure that we treat these women as soon as they come in our doors with, you know, with uh, love and compassion and mercy, because they're in a situation where they're uh, facing something that uh, they've never faced in their life, and they're scared and, and uh, uncertain of what they need to do. Our whole opportunity allows to, us to uh, prevent uh, present a medical uh, a clinic uh, to them and so that they get the proper counseling and, and information and facts. And, and um, the ultimate uh, magic we have is the ultrasound machine that allows them to see the baby in their womb. And we hope that uh, once they, uh, they take advantage of our services, that when they walk out the door, they're choosing life for their child. So um, we're very happy in what we do, and it's a very be- beautiful thing that, uh, to be associated with personally. Yeah, So and, and doing a terrific job. Maybe you could just give us a little of the statistics, what, uh, what you've accomplished over uh, uh, your sure, history. Sure, yeah, and we're always happy to say this, and I say this very humbly. Over the 46 years, we've, we've saved over 16,000 babies. Uh, much, much of the services that, we, that, are, that surround the, the fact of you know, being able to get to that success is is the fact that we have uh, just a great staff of, of people that have just been around for years. Uh, they've faced uh, this, any kind of situation that for a woman who's facing unwanted, unplanned pregnancy that, that comes to the door. There's nothing that we haven't experienced in, in being able to help them and, and uh, work through their issues. And uh, I think that the, those stats for themselves speak for themselves. And yeah. Like I said, it's a humble thing because it's, it's not something that you want to you know, put a notch in your belt. It's more the fact that uh, it allows that woman to, to go out and not have to face un, un, unplanned circumstances after she makes a decision that perhaps uh, she chooses not life. Uh, there, are other reper- uh, you know, there are other repercussions associated with that, that uh, you know, from a, a standpoint of uh, 
having to deal that deal with that later in life that perhaps uh, maybe that wasn't the right choice and they can deal with mental health issues and things of that nature but anybody that has those things we have qualified referral services beyond what we do if they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever we can help them without with them with that we've got material services for clothes and diapers and you know all those things that are anxiety type things for the women right they're saying how can i pay and how can i get these uh the, the necessity for my child. We are going to be there for them, and that's what's allowed us to be able to save these 16,000 babies over these last 46 years. Yeah, well, I tell you, I'm all in when it comes to the community pregnancy clinics and the great work that you do. I've been to the last several, um, I'm going to call it the life-saving events that you've had. Uh, unfortunately, because of the coronavirus, COVID-19 episode and crisis. Uh, You have an event coming up tomorrow night. It's been canceled. A lot of disappointment for us. Uh, Tucker Carlson was there a couple years ago. And, and, you know, I remember one of the comments he made, which really stuck with me. Uh, He was the uh, featured speaker. And he said that, you know, deep inside, any woman who's had an abortion has to have, feel sad and have some regret, some sense of guilt about, about that. And I said, you know what, that, unless there's some sort of a psycho, that has to be the case. So the work you do is so important. And uh, I, I wanted, let's, uh, let's just talk about what's happening tomorrow evening. Sure, I'm glad to do that. And, and, and you know, the, the whole thing about this, it was very disappointing, uh, obviously, to have to cancel the the live event. It's just always a great celebration of life, and uh, and we've had the, the wonderful speakers. We've been very blessed to have wonderful speakers that everyone has enjoyed, and we were looking for the same thing. Abby Johnson, who, uh, Abby uh, is is a, is the woman who uh, was a former uh, director for Planned Parenthood, had a great revelation at, at one moment in her life, and she's I know she's happy for that, and she now has eight children herself. But she was going to be our featured speaker, and, and Ashley Bratcher, who played her on the movie Unplanned, was also going to attend. But we've, we've worked this out to the point where Abby and, uh, is going to do a live broadcast for us uh, on tomorrow night, and it's going to be a, an online uh, program. And, and uh, I, I can tell you this is that uh, you're going to get the same message that you would have gotten if you uh, had attended the, the live event uh, over at the Hilton, where we normally have it. Uh, but I, I, I will tell you, Abby is, uh, spoke to us eight years ago, uh, and and she has done so many great great things over the years for uh, the pro life movement and making people realize that uh, uh, that she had a moment in which she realized that what she was doing is is uh, preventing life rather than uh, giving life and and uh, I, I think that uh, people will certainly have an op- opportunity tomorrow night to uh, if they'd like to you know, come on board and and for one hour from seven o'clock to to eight o'clock on tomorrow night. Um, uh, if you were to go on want to register. It'd be on our lifesaver2020.com, lifesaver2020.com. Right. So um, let me let me stop there, and uh, because yeah. I, I know I can ramble with Abby all <laughs> all along, but uh, the events have been great. We just told tomorrow night uh, that uh, people will join us and allow us to be able to fundraise tomorrow night too. Yeah, and uh, it's great. I mean uh, the. Uh, We've contributed. We appreciate. And Mike Huckabee was there uh, one time. I mean, it's it's just a great organization with a great cause. And uh, the thing is, you don't strong arm women. You know, you they're there to support them and to help them make good decisions with regard to life and uh, just doing a great job. So I'll just uh, uh, if you haven't seen the movie Unplanned, by the way, it is a real heart wrenching, wonderful experience. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. Lynn and I will be watching, and I just encourage our listeners to go to the website, uh, lifesaver2020.com. Lifesaver, did I get that right? Yes, that's right, lifesaver2020.com, and there'll be a silent auction uh, also uh, uh, that'll be running simultaneously. And once again, it's only going to be an hour long because certainly you know people can't uh, send an online uh, event for any more than about 45 minutes to an hour. So uh, we're going to make it. Uh, just a uh, Abby will be on probably for about thirty forty minutes and and tell her story and and then uh, we'll just have a little bit of a fundraiser fun uh, fun time the auction just you know starts tomorrow night or tonight uh, Friday uh, excuse me Friday uh, at five o'clock and it'll run till eleven forty five in the evening on uh, Monday okay so how, it's gonna how do so we, that'll be fun how do we uh, access the auction items are is that the same website. It is. You'll see everything right there on lifesaver2020.com, and it'll show you how to make sure that you see the event, 
that evening and also how you can participate in the silent auction. All right. Before I let you go, and again, that's Lifesaver2020.com. Sign up. I mean, it's uh, this is a terrific organization if you're not familiar with it. Uh, before I let you go, though, you're doing some great things on college campuses. We sure are. We, we sure are. I tell you what, we're, we're just having a University of Florida is a, it's just a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity for us. We put a clinic there. It's a brand new one. It's been open for about six, eight months now, and uh, we are getting a, a lot of traffic. We're located right on University Boulevard, uh, across from the football stadium, the dorms, the, the, the bars, the, uh, the fraternities and sororities, and it's, uh, it's re- really starting to, have, we're starting to have an impact there because uh, the cultural life, unfortunately, on the campuses at uh, and University of Florida is a great, great university. But on any, any large campus, uh, you'll find a Planned Parenthood within five miles that'll ask, uh, that'll certainly give them the services they need if they if they can abort their child. But what we're trying to do is be in the midst, right in the midst of the of the campus, such that they'll find an opportunity to not only come and get uh, the 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 uh, all the services that we can provide them, but also educate them on uh, the lifestyle. Uh, because right now, the sexually transmitted infections on those campuses are. And especially on the uh, uh, the ones there, and unfortunately in Gainesville, are some of the highest in the nation. Nation, and uh, and this is, reflects a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And what we're hoping that they'll do is come in, be there for them for the services of an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy, but also be able to educate them with with good uh, uh, human sexuality uh, information in order to lead a good life, get a great degree from that University of Florida, as well as uh, graduate with some uh, uh, good. Uh, 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 ideas of, of how to uh, live a healthy uh, relationship with a yeah. with a young lady or a young man. Yeah, so it's just great work that the uh, community pregnancy clinics are doing. Again, uh, tomorrow night, seven to eight p.m. Silent auction starts at five o'clock tonight, and uh, this is a great organization. Find out more. Visit uh, Lifesaver twenty twenty dot com. Lifesaver twenty twenty dot com. Gary, just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And thanks, Bob, and thanks to everybody out there. And we hope to see you online tomorrow night. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. You know, I served as... uh, 
board chairman of Gulf Shore Playhouse for 15 years. We started as a, a startup organization, and it's now thriving and doing fantastic. And uh, we're uh, and I'm talking about Gulf Shore Playhouse too. We've actually gone through, had the uh, gala, that was fantastically successful, and uh, finish uh, a show. Uh, Lady Demand Satisfaction finished that show. Actually, canceled one uh, Sunday's uh, br- uh, Sunday's uh, performance. Uh, before we had to close down, uh, I think the rest of the season, I believe, is. But you can find out more about the education programs. You can find out about uh, next season by going to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Well, Senator Tom Cotton has introduced, and Mike Gallagher, they're both Republicans, uh, will introduce uh, the Protecting Our Pharmaceutical Supply Chain from China Act, which would end the U.S. dependence on China for pharmaceutical manufacturing. I don't know if you've heard about what's going on, but 90% of our, for example, uh, uh, drugs uh, come from, and I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, things like... um, I can't even remember, but in pharmaceutical ingredients are coming uh, from China, and we're very much dependent on that. China actually threatened uh, one of the health officials in China threatened to cut off our supply if we don't stop if we don't uh, uh, if we don't continue promoting the fact that it's the China virus. So, President, uh, uh, of course, uh, President Trump continues to refer to it as the China virus, much to the chagrin of some of the reporters sitting in the audience during his press conferences. But anyhow, the key, the bill's key restrictions would go into effect in 2022 and have no impact on the current coronavirus pandemic. No FDA resources will be diverted to begin implementation. Specifically, the bill will track active pharmaceutical ingredients through an FDA registry, prohibit pharmaceutical purchases from China or products with active pharmaceutical ingredients created in China. It will create transparency in the supply chain by instituting a country of origin label on all imported drugs and provide economic incentives for manufacturing drugs and medical equipment in the United States. That sounds like a pretty good law uh, to me. The Chinese Communist Party has threatened to cut off America's access to vital drugs in the midst of a pandemic caused by its own failures. It's time to pull America's supply chains for life-saving medicine out of China and make the CCP, and of course that's the Communist Party in China, pay for contributing to the global emergency, that according to Tom Cotton. The Chinese uh, Communist Party's outrageous threats to withhold life-saving drugs with the U.S. endangers public health and should open the, our eyes to our dangerous over-reliance on China in our medical supply chain said Gallagher. He's the other sponsor, co-sponsor of the bill. This is a national security imperative that to many Americans is a matter of life and death. It's, it's time for us to develop an aggressive plan to move critical pharmaceutical supply chains away from China. Nothing could be further. Uh, nothing could be, uh, this is, uh, my point is, this is great legislation and should be passed. We should not be dependent on China for such critical things as uh, the uh, drugs that we need in order to keep ourselves healthy. By the way, Republicans in Pennsylvania gave President Trump and the National Party a shot in the arm Tuesday, delivering three special state House elections to the GOP, including one district won by Hillary Clinton in 2016. While all three seats have been held by Republicans, the 18th district seat in Bucks County was expected to give Democrats and turned to Democrat and confirmed the Democrat swing that gave Clinton a nine-point win in 2016. Local media and Democrat Party officials uh, had said that the district should have been an easy pickoff because of the political trend, but that just didn't happen. But in the end, the GOP appears to have held the seat, and by a wide margin, though the results have not been certified, Democrats were eager to, for proof of an anti-Trump trend in the state that the president needs to win uh, re-election. So, again, we're looking for those canary in the coal mine types of things, occurrences that uh, demonstrate where people are leaning. Well, this is a clear indication from this canary that uh, GOP has the support. By the way, President uh, Trump's popularity through all this crisis and everything that's going on, according to Rasmussen polls, 47%. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. The enthusiasm and uh, loyalty factor uh, for Trump's followers is extremely high, and uh, it's great to see. It's not just uh, the limited to uh, good times. 
Fear of the crisis due to the coronavirus pandemic have resulted in a historic spike in gun purchases and background checks leading to long delays in approval, according to the FBI and gun industry experts. Now, I would say this, as we see officials across the country with martial law, with imposing, uh, limiting individual liberty, I think this is a natural reaction, as you can see, people who've never owned a gun before are going out to make gun purchases. And uh, they need, everybody needs training. I've had training on firing a gun. I've decided not to buy one because uh, I'm not comfortable with guns. But irrespective, I'm a strong supporter of uh, the Second Amendment. And uh, so what we're seeing right now is people who've never owned a gun before beginning to uh, consider buying their own gun. And uh, so what's more, there's a, uh, a potential that offices in charge of conducting the background checks could shut down effectively stopping sales. So we're seeing higher demand, but uh, supply could dry up pretty quickly if they don't approve the background checks for the gun purchases. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil on Our Doorstep. It's a story about the travails Dave actually experienced as the head of his own business, Ex- Executive Management Services. He has uh, employees in over 40 states, over 6,000 employees. Uh, they wanted to unionize, and I'm talking about the SEIU. He said, uh, if you're going to unionize this, you're going to have to do it through private ballot and not by just running around and signing them up. They wanted him to sign a, a neutrality agreement, which, give, which would have given them permission to, uh, to sign up the, his employees through intimidation, whatever tactics they want. He said, no, you've got to do it by secret ballot. For two and a half years, they assaulted him, his employees, his family, his, uh, uh, the community. Uh, they used any measure they possibly could and failed, so they slunk away like... Rats on a sinking ship, and he uh, is not unionized to this day. I, I think he has some employees in some unions in some states. But nevertheless, he has a great story to tell. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. 
fga.org. And I proudly serve on the board of the Foundation for Government Accountability, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bigo. He's written a terrific book. It's about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. He learned a lot. He shared it with us in his book. It's a great read. I encourage you to get a copy. Again, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave Bigo. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. And uh, I, um, I am uh, for all your listeners and people across the country uh, that this coronavirus gets by fast and nobody gets sick and uh, no more deaths. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're the president, CEO, founder of Executive Management Services. Again, as I mentioned before the break, over 6,000 employees in over 40 states. Uh, and uh, I'm guessing, how's your business going? And what's been the impact of coronavirus? Oh, we are so busy because, um, you know, companies have uh, really, some of them, they haven't totally shut down their offices, but they've really sent a lot of people home. They're working from home, you know, and uh, as we know, it's happening across the country. And because of it, they're having us come in and um, do an extra sanitizing to all the building. And, um, you know, um, it's just uh, it's amazing how much extra work we're doing across the country for hmm. customers and their facilities and uh, and then when <clears throat> you know yesterday uh, uh, one of our comp- our customers uh, one of their employees was found to have the uh, uh, coronavirus uh, COVID nineteen and uh, they uh, <clears throat> this this was in a three hundred thousand square foot building and they wanted us to come in and sanitize the whole building because they. They, they took all their employees out of it, and our employees went in uh, over the last day and sanitized everything, wall-to-wall, you know, ceiling sitting in that building, and got it cleaned up. That's amazing. Great story there. So uh, gl- glad your business is going well, although I'm uh, sad it's for the, the reason of the coronavirus, but nevertheless, uh, uh, it, what's going on with unions right now? Uh, they are just quiet and everything, and they're staying out of the way. And uh, even some of the unions have said that they need to get people uh, out of the workplaces and and that. And uh, I, I I think this is one place where they've done some good things for their membership. But uh, huh. other than that, uh, you know, it's it's very very quiet. And um, the um, and the, you know, <clears throat> uh, RB just came out with. Uh, um, dictate yesterday that there will be no elections for, I don't know, the next uh, 30 days or so. Hmm. And, uh, you know, whether it's a regular election or some other type of election, and uh, they don't want them to do any going out trying to uh, recruit anybody or unionize them or anything like that. So it's going to be quiet, I think. Well, that's good to hear, Dave. I mean, it's uh, There is a sense I get that everybody's trying to pull together at this time. There's bipartisan support for some of the stimulus programs. Although, as I mentioned in a previous uh, a previous uh, interview with uh, William Yateman from the Cato Institute, that I'm a little concerned about the martial law and uh, the diminished uh, diminished individual liberty we all experience as a result of the reaction to this. I mean, in some ways, it's our lives. We need to be able to have self-control, take responsibility for our lives. And I just see the governor of uh, California, for example, deciding that everybody in the state has to stay indoors. I'm yep. just I'm thinking about a guy that lives on a farm in Fresno, California. What is, <laughs> why does he have to stay inside? I, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's shut down the whole state, basically. And it's sad. And, you know, you uh, you got to inform and educate people, but... Uh, You've got to let them use some common sense and going about and how they do things and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this we haven't had near as many uh, outbreaks of this and deaths uh, compared to the, the swine flu and that back years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I think the media is controlling this and the media is controlled by the unions and going back to the unions. That's the one thing that I do think that's going on. But this is a political agenda. They're trying to make President Trump look bad and, you know, say he's not doing good things. And, you know, we have to close down the country and the states. I mean, look at California. It's a Democratic state. Yeah. And because uh, uh, with the election coming up, they're trying to make him look bad, bad and get him uh, thrown out of office. Well, that's right. And, and Gavin Newsom, he's a... Uh, posturing and preening as a presidential candidate in 2024. No question about that. So he's trying to look good in the face of everything that's going on right now. And that, that's one of the concerns I have, too, is that 
politicians, uh, you, you ask yourself, uh, in, in whose interest are these people operating anyhow? I mean, I, I, re I remember going to college and there was a all question of authority. That was a bumper sticker. And if, you know, we... <laughs> We should all be respectful of authority, follow the law, but we should also question uh, authority and, and the motivations that people have for what they're doing. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, that's part of uh, the republic of our country. And, right. uh, you know, as I've mentioned to you before, uh, I think the whole thing that's going on is that uh, the, the far left and the unions and Soros and uh, people involved with them, they want to bring down this country and turn it into a socialist communist country. And uh, this is part of that effect. And uh, and they don't want God in it and, and uh, things like that. And they want basically they want to control us. Yeah. And, uh, they, and uh, that's what this is all about. And I, I don't know if you've heard, but I was reading an article in the uh, Arizona Freedom Alliance that Bill Gates and Barack Obama... Uh, 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 are really behind all this because um, um, in December, right before the Wuhan virus was discovered, they they released some docu series uh, that pushed the need for the Chinese uh, Foundation to receive funding to carry on virus research to prevent the next pandemic. And here's it: Gates funded the Wuhan lab in China that yeah. released the Wuhan virus, and Obama um, awarded um, NHI grants. Um, uh, to the University of North Carolina back in 2012 to work on this virus. Mm -hmm. And um, this was um, was not, so the communists didn't like it, and they left and took it over to China to this Wuhan lab. And uh, so Obama and, and uh, Bill Gates were the two behind all this being uh, developed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the funding for it. So, that, and again, there, we're, there's real suspicion that this is not developed from animals, but rather from a lab in Wuhan. And the Chinese right now are trying to say that, that nay, well, why do you call it the Chinese virus? And, and President Trump, he was interrupted in his press briefing yesterday about four times having people saying, you know, they're demonstrating their outrage about the president's xenophobia by calling it the Wuhan flu or calling it the China flu. And he said, well, the reason I do that is because it came from China. <laughs> He's, well, I appreciate where he comes from on that. But uh, they, to your point, which is basically it's the mainstream media and it's the Democrat Party who want the president to fail. They want to see him go down, even if it destroys the financial markets, the economy, and everything else. It's what can we do to destroy pro uh, President Trump's presidency? Well, that's what this is all about, and it's sad. And uh, the American people need to wake up, and, uh, and the, the media needs to wake up. And we need to push back on this thing and get this thing resolved, and and move on and bring our economy and our country back. Because the country was really, you know flourishing. Yes. And, uh, we need to, get, need to get it back to that now. Absolutely. I, you know, right now, the futures are up. It's nice to see, but modestly compared to the the uh, plum, pummeling it's taken over the last uh, week or two. So, um, But it's in, important. We need to get people back to work. That's the key. We need to get our economy uh, going again. And I just think about these small businesses and the people that are living paycheck to paycheck. How are they doing right now? It's just got to be an awful experience for everybody that's involved in this. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, just one more thing on Gates. You know, uh, the majority of the deaths have been in Washington, and, and uh, uh, they've been in an area where uh, Gates lives and uh, yeah. where he also funded uh, an area up there where a lot of these people that uh, were working on this stuff uh, were in a building up there. So, you know, that's kind of why it broke out up there so hard. Uh, and that, and, that um, is such interesting. One last thing I want to say, because I know you'll... <laughs> get a kick out of this um uh, you know the um uh, golf course industry is really going after people to uh you know uh, be very careful when they go off and uh you know the florida golf foundation national golf foundation uh they put out a email here yesterday that uh you know when when you go out uh they're they're saying this is the things you ought to do Encourage golfers to walk, prohibit golf, uh, shotgun starts, uh, cancel classes and golf academy events, uh, prohibit any group gatherings before or after the rounds, allow a single rider or cart when available, uh, extra cleaning and sanitizing of golf carts, limiting cart staff from handling customer golf bags, and um, 
remove the pins from the practice games, yeah. remove uh, bunker rakes, ball washers, and other high-touch courses. Uh, don't touch the flag stick. And, uh, I mean, hey, we're, <laughs> we're seeing that. We're, what they hear, Bob, I think you're like, rake your bunker with your feet. No, no, well, we're seeing that. You know, all the rakes have been taken out of our bunkers. Uh, now the pins are stuck, uh, have a little raised area where if it, if it hits the area, you're in the hole. You're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> not right, supposed to right. play. so well, all this to pick it up out of the hole <laughs> but you know what Dave and I'm grateful that we're able to play that's a it's a it's, it's just really great. Dave, you know, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. You can visit uh, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Do visit the website. Also, get a copy of the book. You can get a copy on my website, bobharden.com, at a nice discount, and also, of course, at all book payer, uh, purveyors around the country. Dave, always great to get your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks, and I hope things go well down there and across this great country. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is the author of Shake the Money Tree. His, it's a sequel to Follow the Leader. He's also former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>